This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's a fourth successive Premier League season for the Mighty Clarets. This is the Known and Ever podcast. Hello and welcome to the Known and Ever podcast. And it is the survival party. Um, just coming off turf now after playing City, which I'll get to in a minute. But the most important thing that we have to think about is that Burnley are mathematically safe. We suspected that last week we were safe. It was going to take some strange turn of results for us to get relegated. But um, it was confirmed this weekend. So we were going into today's game pretty relaxed. And um, it was just a small matter of facing current Premier League title holders, Manchester City and playing a slightly starring role in the Championship Decider as they push themselves against um, that Liverpool side. Um, But it wasn't to be. um, For the first time ever, Burnley have failed to beat um, the current reigning champions. But you know what? It it doesn't matter. Um, What I wanted from today's performance was I wanted the boys to be... Um, disciplined. I wanted them to be professional and I wanted them to really respect the competition, respect the fact that another side other than us and City had a massive interest in the result of the game. Um, you know, look at Friday night, you know, Huddersfield, I know that's slightly different circumstances, but they didn't really give Liverpool much of a fight. And I wanted us to come out of today's game with our heads held high that we at least made them work for it. And I think we definitely did that. Um, a funny goal at the end I've not actually seen it but I'm assuming it did go over the line because the referee's watch pinged that the goal line technology had kicked in but it seemed to be quite an uncharacteristically scrappy goal for City to put in the back of the net really to to take all points Um, absolutely hilarious that by the end of the game Pep had three centre-halves on the pitch and you know, they were time-wasting, they had to put it in the corner and, it, you know, it just goes to show that for all of the criticism that gets sent our way that we're anti-football and that we're negative and that we, you know, play this soul-destroying football that even the big boys need to roll the sleeves up and grind a, um, a result out when they need to. Um, lots to talk about this week. Um, I think we're probably going to just talk mainly in the beginning about the survival and what our hopes and expectations are for next season and essentially just taking a big deep breath after what's been quite a roller coaster of a season um, and then we'll look ahead to Everton we've got two games now with absolutely no pressure riding on them and just a chance to sit back and relax and enjoy the end of what's been a very up and down season so let's get back um, get back with Dave and Robbie this week and we'll talk through all the talking points and uh, yeah we'll see you in the studio Indeed, indeed, and we are here back in studio mode with the boys, with Statman Dave, with Robbie. Gentlemen, welcome to the survival party. Hiya. Where's the beer? See, cheery, Robbie. Oh, yeah, no, you, you can't be drinking beer while you're recording. You don't oh. don't drink and record it. <laughs> afterwards, afterwards. Um, as we, we mentioned recently, briefly, sorry, in that immediate post-match um 
recording. That's it. The clarets are mathematically safe. We did kind of know this last last week that um, it would take some ridiculous um, turn of results that for Burnley to, to slip into relegation zone at the expense of Cardiff. But it was mathematically sealed at the weekend with Cardiff inexplicably losing their game and Brighton getting up a point. I don't think it's mathematical who's going down yet. I think um, if Cardiff win both of their games, um, assuming that Brighton lose both of your those, then Brighton will go down. Um, but it didn't really matter in the end. Uh, we, we went into Sunday's game with City knowing that we were going to be safe again. Um, Robbie, after all of this season, after all the drama, the ups, the downs, the, I guess, real worry from the Burnley fans, the element of, of concern and then the spirit that we all found back in, off the top of of off the cuff now, how are you feeling about this season as a whole? Uh, well, largely positive, especially after Christmas. Um, I just, I just think we've just got our mojo back, really. I just think it was it's just been the Burnley of old, which has come back. Um, obviously, the Everton game was the turning point. I think we all needed a bit of a battering. Uh, Sean Dyche did describe it as like a bottoming out period. So, I think it just sort of just kick-started our season, really, having that real low point. And I just think it made everyone just sort of raise the levels again. And we had a bit of a dip around March time, but we've, again, bounced back, which is what we've always done under Sean Dyche. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. And, and like I say, we all we were all concerned with that first half of, of the season. And, and, you know, to his credit, Dyche and his players were as well. Um, Dave, what about you? Are you feeling... Are you, are you feeling on a high enough that we can sort of discount that first half of the season? Or do you think that should serve as a warning for next season about um, how to learn from it and how to move on and how to progress? Um, I don't think we can discount it. It was um, a worrying start of the season. You know, it's been well documented. We only got uh, one point in the first five games of the season and we were uh, 12 points, weren't we, at the halfway mark, which uh, wasn't good enough. Uh, by any means, certainly from uh, what we'd seen the previous season. But, you know, credit to the manager and the players, they have turned it around. And in some ways, it, it from a spin point of view, it's better having the uh, better second half of the season. We're going, we're ending the season on a on a high, having had a, a really good run. I mean, we've still got two games left to play and, and, and you know, may well get more points in those games as well. Um, I think we're, we've got 28, haven't we, from uh, 17 so far in the second half of the season and the first half of last season we got 32 points so we're not a million miles away from where we were the first half of last season and as, as we know you know we we're on a real high the first half of last season you know we 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 hit uh, top 6 hadn't we in the premier league we, we were fourth at one point um so the the performance the form the results the second half of this season has very much matched the first half of, of last season, which is a um, a, a real boost uh, considering what happened in the in the first half of the season and the and the difficulties that we had. But yeah, I mean, it's yeah, we, we we've got to put it behind us. It's it's always difficult in this league. It's it's one of those leagues where um, you can have a, a a bad run, four or five games, and it's really difficult to get out of sometimes. But credit to the players, they have turned it around. Um, and that's not to say it's going to be plain sailing next season. We know that you know, other than uh, the, the, the top six sides, any of the other teams can have the difficulties. So, it, you know, it's you start a clean slate in August of next season and we've got to be stronger off the mark. We'll, at least we'll have the, um, well, we, we won't have uh, European distractions um, August, September uh, of, uh, of the coming season. Uh, we can concentrate on on the Premier League and hope they get off to a more positive start in August. Yeah, it's not just the Europa League as well that we don't have to worry about. Of course, this is an odd year, so there's no Europa League, there's no World Cup. All of our players will get the same amount of rest. They'll all be able to go and have a proper holiday and they'll all come back to pre-season at the settle is exactly the same time without any um, sort of distractions. And, and I think that that's going to be really important for our boys to get a proper Dutch pre-season under their belts. Um, Robbie, what do we need to do next year? I mean, I, I, we'll go into this in more depth at the end of the season when we do a proper podcast on this but it just I'm just so excited and I'm so elated that we've survived and um it just feels like 
in some respects, it feels like a greater accomplishment than the one two years ago when there was the first time that we we actually survived in this league. And I'm just so elated by it that I'm already looking to next season and saying, right, what can we do next? What can we improve on? And what can we do to make sure that there is progression next year and that we don't fall into the same mistakes we made this year? Yeah, I think I think one of the first things we have to do is sort of, I think we have to sort out the goalkeeper situation. I think there has to be some has to be some form of communication who because what one or even two goalkeepers are going to have to leave uh, that's the reports coming out um but i don't i'm not, I'm not sure what where we go to next I, I, in my head i'm going to kind of expect the same again next season in terms of the we're going to struggle to recruit we're going to struggle to break into the top 10 again but i think I think the fans are all back on side again. I think the the club and the squad are all back on back, all back on the same page. I think that's why a lot of this season was really difficult around Christmas time when I think there was a disconnection between fans wanting to improve on seventh, which was just absolutely crazy. And then there was a large portion of fans who expected us to be in a relegation dogfight again, which we which we were. So I think next season, I think everyone's back on the same page. I think it's like. Like you said before, it's a bit of a clean slate, and I'm a little, I'm actually going into the next season excited because I actually don't really know what to expect. I think I'm the same. I don't really know what to expect next season, and I'm really excited as well, just because we know that we're not going to, even if we have, sorry, the same recruitment problems that you you alluded to. Then, Robbie, we're not going to have the same challenges at the beginning of the season that we had this year, and we can get straight back into it. Um, I think I probably sit in the middle of, of both fans. I never expected us to be breaking, or certainly not improving on seventh, but I was never expecting us to be a side that broke into seventh and challenged for seventh every year. And to be honest, I think it's a long-term aim for us to try and be an established top 10 side. I think that's a, a very, very like high bar for us to achieve. And, and I'm not even sure we'll be able to do it season on season. But that's certainly what we should be aiming for. To me at the moment, I would like us to be in the top 13. And I think that's what we could do in the short term with this squad and the way we play under Sean Dyche with a couple of improvements. Um, I would I would very much like us to not be in a proper relegation dogfight next year. I don't want us to be in the bottom all the time and having to claw our way out of it. But similarly, I don't expect us to be high flying either. Um, I think for me next season, there should be four obvious relegation concerns and I don't think we are immediately in those four I think what Dave was saying early on about how we finished the season on a high I think that will probably be reflected in um, the bookies odds next season and I guess that the pre-season um, predictions from everybody um, you'd think that Norwich South sorry, sorry Norwich and Sheffield United we know are both coming up automatically from the, the championship and it's going to be one of Leeds Villa West Brom and probably Derby um, Bit of a weird one this year for me in that I think you normally find that the team that comes up for the playoffs is the one that usually goes back down and does struggle. But you could argue that next season, if, say, Villa, Leeds or West Brom go up through the playoffs, they're probably fare better than than the other two. Um, so let's say um, Southam- Southampton, Sheffield United. Oh, gosh, that's going to be next season's podcast challenge, me mixing up Southampton and Sheffield United every week. So let's say Sheffield United and Norwich do stay in the bottom two and they take up two of the relegation places. Brighton, if they don't make any improvements, are going to be down there as well. Um, Whoever comes up third, if it's Derby, for example, I would put them as strugglers as well. That should automatically be the bottom four um, done. Uh, And I say this with a pinch of salt um, on the basis that clearly this is not guaranteed by any stretch of the imagination. This is just an early prediction on form. Um, so that said, we should we should be looking at, what, 15th, 16th straight away. But to me, I just feel like we can do better. And I do genuinely feel like we can be pushing for, for 13th. And that's where I do hope we go. Um, Dave, Robbie talked then about recruitment and how he, he assumes that we're going to struggle um, in the summer to bring players in. Um, we have to, surely. We, we, surely Mike Rigg has to now get us some. I know we've been warned that we're going to struggle again, but if we if we go into next season with this squad, with all the best will in the world and all the fight in the world, we're going to struggle again, I think. Uh, recruitment is going to be a different, a difficult one. I think it is every season. And you only have to look at some of the pitfalls that um, have beset some of the other teams in, in the division. I think there's... Um, 
set of financial results have just come out for um, Swansea, who obviously got relegated last season. And despite being in the Premier League um, and despite not paying out bonuses for players for staying in the Premier League, they lost something like um, 40 or £50 million pounds last season. In That's staying in the Premier League. In the League. champion. No, well, this is year ending um, June twenty eighteen. Ah, okay. So it's for the. the so their the, Premier League season, they lost fifty million pounds. Well, nine hundred odd thousand uh, a, oh. a week. So it's, it's got forty odd um, high forties in the uh, in the millions that they lost in the season. So they pushed the boat oh, out. Wow. They they changed things around. They'd recruited um, a lot of expensive signings. Obviously, wages is uh, is in the mix as well. And despite all of that, they were um, they were poor, weren't they? In uh, last season, uh, they got relegated, um, and they paid the price for it. And they're going to struggle. They, they're going to get some parachute payments. They'll have restructured things a little bit. But when you push the boat out as far as they did, and in the Premier League they're losing that amount of money, and then you go down, then they've got real difficulties. That might beset Burnley at some point in the future. Burnley aren't guaranteed. You know, absolutely fantastic. Let's have the fourth. Um, looking forward to a fourth consecutive season in the Premier League, and we hope you know twelve months time uh, we're talking about a, a fifth uh, season in the Premier League as well. But at some point in the future, I guess we have to be realistic and say that 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 isn't always going to be the case. But that being said, I think if we fell into that position, we would be better equipped financially and also in terms of the the structure of the club and everything else to be able to bounce back again. I think it gets slightly easier every season. We have to build on it, and I think we've, we've got a stronger squad. We've got, I think, in, in the other positions now, we've got other players coming in who are capable of stepping into positions, whereas in the past we haven't always had that. Um, I think we have to be a little bit careful maybe with um, balance and age of squad. We can't just you know keep the same players. We have to keep moving it forward, and there will be... I guess difficult decisions to make. You know, there'll be, there'll be players that that will get moved on who have been legends for for, for Burnley over over uh, recent seasons. Who will get to the point where you know we we we, we want to bring alternatives in, and you know we've we've seen Sam Boak score already. Um, at some point in the future, we'll we'll see other players go as well. But it's it's a balancing act. It's it's a, a case of always trying to progress it forward, um, and also trying to recruit. Well, and, and and try to recruit clever. I think a, a lot's been said about um, Norwich and the way that they've recruited. A lot of the players that they've brought in have been the ones that have got them um, out of the Championship this season and back into the Premier League. Whether they can take that a step further and use that same business model to build and do it in the Premier League, I don't know. That's a bigger challenge because I think there are... Um, well, there's just such a gulf now between the Championship and the and the Premier League. You, you and Robbie were alluding to this before, in terms of the discussion and, and those teams perhaps struggling next season. I think year on year it does get more difficult for the sides. Perhaps unless they're ones that have gone down, then bounce straight back. Um, it does get more difficult for those sides who are promoted to to challenge, unless perhaps you're a, a Wolves and have got that amount of money to to throw at it. Throw at it. We know that. Uh, uh, Wolves have, uh, have spent big to where uh, to get to where they've done, um, but yeah, re- recruitment is going to be a key, and it's not going to be a one transfer window thing. We need to make sure that we're looking, you know, two three years forward and have a almost like a conveyor belt in the background of of, of, of ideas and targets, and we can actually hit those targets, get those players in, and get them into the team and and, and do the business, and perhaps well. Right off the the January transfer window, it was it was Volks out and and Crouch in, which was a a, a short term sign. We don't know yet what the situation is with uh, Peter Crouch for next season. But you know the players we brought in last time, Matty Vidra's not got much of a look in. Ben Gibson hasn't had too many chances this season. That's not to say they won't next season. Um, but perhaps we need players coming in this window who are going to hit the ground a little bit quicker. Um, you know, Dwight McNeil's been a real bonus this year. He hasn't uh, cost a penny in transfer fees coming in. Um, and we perhaps need to see if there's one or two players coming in from the U squad. We had obviously uh, young Anthony Glennon who was uh, on the bench uh, against Manchester City yesterday. Um, and we're hopeful that maybe there'll be one or two coming through the youth ranks in years to come as well with the investment we put into the uh, the academy. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I wonder whether this time next year we'll have managed to get through a podcast where we don't mention Sam Books. 
And so I'm not over this yet. <laughs> I mean, Robbie and I... Actually, Robbie, are you coming to the Player of the Year Awards this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are. I think you and I last year were just basically just like just stared at Sam Books, didn't we, for the whole of the awards. What are we going to do yeah. this year? I've got, I've got my eye on James Tarkovsky, so I don't know about you. Okay. I don't know who I will go and stalk. Maybe. Oh, Ashley Barnes, actually. Ashley Barnes. Oh, I was going to say, Ashley Barnes I is your absolute like... hero. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, we should. I, do... I, I bonded very much with him previously, so excellent. I guess. Oh, brilliant! I think I'm, I, I assume he's going to be a pretty popular guy there. Um, I think both Robbie and I are going to be at the, at the awards, um, so I think we'll definitely do some um, some live. Reports. The last time we did that was at the um, when we went to the awards ceremony down at the Tower of London, and um, I think that the coverage towards the end was getting more and more um, um, not quite lucid. I don't think. Word is the word you're looking for. Thanks, Dave. I was trying to avoid that, but uh, throw, throw me under the bus, why don't you? So, yeah, I think Robbie and I will be doing some live uh, recording from the Player of the Year Awards. That should be some fun. Anyway, enough of that. I think I wanted to start this this week's podcast with the um, survival party, just on the grounds. And it's a fantastic achievement, and it is something that we have to champion, and it's something that we have to appreciate, especially given as this has been um, a tough season for everybody for very various different reasons. Um, but it didn't get any easier for Berlin because uh, not long after that safety was confirmed, we had a small matter of the reigning champions, Manchester City, at home, where Burnley played a ridiculously starring role in this year's title race. Now, Robert, Burnley and, uh, not Burnley and City, we wish, Liverpool and City are pushing themselves absolutely right to the end. And, and it's well documented how tight this this championship's going to be with Liverpool potentially getting to the situation where they're going to finish the season on 97 points and still not win the league and to put that into context that number of points would win you the Premier League in every other season apart from this one and last year um, because last year City got over 100 points um, there was a little bit of pressure I think from <laughs> from everybody uh, basically everybody in Liverpool anyway who wanted us to do the business and a lot a lot of people suggested that Burnley away was going to be City's toughest test in the in the lead up to the, the final game of the season. Yeah, I can I can understand why people say that. Um, I, I think I, try, I can't think what City's next. I think City have got Leicester at home on. Yeah, uh, Leicester and Brighton. Night. Leicester at yeah, home, Brighton you, away. Yeah, you may, maybe think Brendan Rodgers might actually win Liverpool the league after all, but. I can't see Leicester doing a double over City. I know City left. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. can we just pause on that a minute? That was the cattiest little bit of shade I've ever heard thrown in to the Non and Ever podcast. What? That is fantastic. Brendan Rogers might finally win them the league. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just it's wanted five, to take... it's five years late, but he might actually do it. <laughs> I'm sorry, please continue. Imagine, imagine if, if, if Leicester get a result at the Etihad and completely opens the door for Liverpool. Like, it'd be incredible, but. Yeah, I, but honestly, I can't. I can't see City slipping up now. I think there were so much voices coming out about Burnley potentially causing the upset that Man City were, especially the second half, were on it. There were no way they were going to be complacent, especially after like um, Liverpool's result against Huddersfield. Because um, I, I do actually think if it was maybe a few weeks before, City might look at it as 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 almost like a guaranteed win, but. I think at this stage, they were never going to be complacent and never going to let their uh, levels slip. You say that, though, Robbie. I thought it was a very nervous start for them. I've not seen a City side that apprehensive before. And I think it wasn't just the players. That resonated from Pep on the bench as well. They were they were all over the place. Yeah, I think, I think we, obviously, we, we made it difficult for them. Uh, I think we were probably playing to our maximum for a lot of it, especially our defensive shape. Uh, I were watching our defensive shape quite closely in the first half, and it was absolutely flawless. We cut off every single like passing lane. Um, Aguero barely got a sniff. I think he only had one shot in the in the in the first half, which were, which was wiser the wiser the post. And I can't really think of a, especially in the first half, a, a real save that Tom Heaton had to make. Uh, but obviously, in the second half, you would expect Man City to come out with a completely different tempo, different intensity, and eventually they did actually break through and it was a bit of a, a scrappy one. But if City have to score a scrappy goal against Burnley, then in a weird way, that's a bit, it's complimentary to us. 
Yeah, well, Dyche said that in his, his post-match interview, didn't he? He commented how it was a, a bit of an ego boost for him that Pep was screaming at his players with, with five minutes to go, telling them to get in the corner. And he said, it's nice to know that you've made your mark on a top manager like that to make them um, be concerned and make them have to really, really roll the sleeves up and, and, and do the gritty to try and get a result over the line. And that's one of the things I like about Pep City side, actually, is that for all their flair and, and how amazing they are and how brilliant and entertaining they are to watch, they can roll their sleeves up when they need to. Um, Dave, I think we've faced a little bit in the crit- bit of criticism in the press over recent weeks. Look, Burnley are flavour of the month at the moment. There's a bandwagon going out there, started by Chelsea fans, and everybody else is getting on the bandwagon as well, where Whoa, we're anti-football and we're defensive and we just lob it and it's horrible to watch. And to me, I, I ignore the-, the vast majority of it because it feels like just bandwagon, just tweets being put out there to try and make fans get some relevance in their Twitter pages and just try and get likes. And a lot of the time, it's got no substance behind it whatsoever. Um, I, I think I was listening to one radio phone in this morning where there was a bit of a quiz on, a bit of a fun thing, saying, oh, rank rank the, the Premier League teams by reference to a... Um, what's it called? Oh, Harry Potter character. And this clown came on the radio and said, oh, Burnley are the dementors because they're sucking the life out of football. Um, You know, even the press reports, Dave, after that game was saying that we had hardly any possession. We registered two shots on target through the entire game. It didn't feel like that to me, didn't the performance? I felt like we were very disciplined and actually quite competitive. Yeah, we were never going to come out and try and uh, pass City off the park, were we? And they would never have expected us to uh, to do that either. Um, very resolute performance, first half, I thought. I mean, second half, City came back into it. They changed the shape a little bit. They had Sterling going a little bit more uh, direct, uh, which causes uh, problems. You could tell as soon as they came out for that second half that they were... Uh, a little bit more at it, and you, you you saw that. Well, you got the feeling anyway that, that a goal was was coming, and eventually it did. Although you know, by uh, a, an inch, wasn't it just over an inch that it went over the uh, line? I think in days gone past, that would never have been given. It's only because of the uh, the goal line technology that the referee was able to confidently give uh, give the goal in that instance. But yeah, Bur- Burnley defended really, really well and gave everything you would well everything you would have hoped. I don't think there's any Liverpool fans in the land who can uh, uh, criticise Burnley for the effort they put in. It just wasn't quite enough in the end. Manchester City managed to get uh, get all three points, but they had to work damn hard for it. I think it's uh, their 12th consecutive win, and that must be the most hard-earned of those wins. I think it's credit as well that um, Pep's coming out with uh, his excuses after the match. It's almost like he had his excuses prepared about uh, this ridiculous uh, notion that the grass was too long, which is uh, can't possibly be the case because there's regulations in the Premier League. They have these special machines that go out, um, the, well, little gauges on there to see how long the grass is. So you can't get away with that. You, we, we had a situation at Wolves a few seasons back in the Championship where Wolves clearly had done that. Um, and then after the game, they were out with the mowers after the, uh, after the match. Uh, you can't do that in the Premier League. Um, and then also the second one about um, uh, not watering the, the grass being too dry. Um, again, that's not in the regulations. You don't have to uh, uh, water the, the, the ground. It's not, not in there for teams to uh, to do that. And it must be uh, must be a real first that for the first man ever to complain that it's been too dry in uh, in Burma. I've got to say, I did... I didn't. I didn't hear really hear much about that after the game, but I did hear it at half time. And I think the reports coming out were that um, he'd actually made an approach to the officials, or the coaching staff had made an approach to the officials, stating that the pitch was very, very dry, and to look at it. And I just, I, I just, I've got to the point in the Premier League now. Where I just laugh. I just think the the deflection tactics. That I mean, I talked about this on last week's podcast with this Chelsea nonsense with David Luiz. The it's becoming just such a PR game is, is the Premier League now. The pressure is getting to that many people that they've just got to have the anything they can to deflect away from a, a difficult performance on the pitch. And actually, Pep didn't need to. And if you look at his um, reaction after the game, and he was questioned as to why he ended up uh, finishing the game with three centre-halves on on the field and he said well I was shaking like a leaf on the bench I was that nervous and if I'd have had four centaurs I'd have put another one on and you know you look at that and you think well you're prepared to acknowledge that you were nervous about the result you don't necessarily need to start stockpiling your excuses anyway um 
Robbie, we nearly had the dream start, actually, with a, a fantastic opportunity for Chris Wood to put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, it was only our real proper opening in the game. And I just think, I haven't seen it back, but I just think his, his touch gets away from him, doesn't it? I think there's been a couple of times, it actually happened against Chelsea where he put uh, put clean through and his, his touch let him down there. And it's a shame because I think Chris Wood has been in really good form in 2019. Um so I can't. You sort of back him to scoring those scenarios as going back to pre-Christmas. It was I kind of touch your expect to take it then, but um, yeah, it was our real only real opening. I think when you do play a side like Man City, you need your strikers to. It's not a criticism to Chris Wood, but you 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 need your players to to you know to be able to take a first touch, be able to compose themselves. Yeah, I think I think to his credit, it, the ball did come pretty fast and it, it was only just a touch too far. Um but I think I think probably the most um oh, do I want to say disappointing cuz that feels really harsh. I guess the, the saddest thing about the whole thing was that that was one of only a couple of opportunities and we did find ourselves absolutely back to the wall and struggling to get the ball off um, a ridiculous city side. Um in the end, Dave, it was um, quite a scrappy goal that that got um, City off the the, off the the sheet, um, off the scoring sheet. Sorry, um, off the scoring sheet. I'm not sure that's a phrase. Off the scoring. I'm not sheet. allowing that. No. No. What am I trying to say, Dave? On the score sheet. On the score sheet. I think that's what I'm probably trying to say. Yeah, yeah. let's go with that. It was a scrappy goal that got City on the score sheet. Um, you would have loved this, Dave, I would imagine, with uh, goal line technology needing to be... Uh, not really, no. I think when uh, when it goes against you... I mean, it's, it's down to Burnley, isn't it? I think the uh, high-profile one uh, down at Brighton where we uh, we lost out when the ball... Well, the ball clearly went over the line. It wasn't given. Um, it wasn't long after that when the goal line technology finally uh, came into play. And it's one of those things. It's In, in this instance, it's, uh, it's helped Manchester City, whereas I think... Uh, under other circumstances, if we hadn't have had the uh, technology in there, um, it, it wouldn't have been a goal. I don't think the, re- the referee and Lyzen wouldn't have been sure. I don't think it would have been given. They, they don't know to um, you know, twenty nine millimeters whether the ball's gone over the line or not. So, um, I mean, that's not to say Manchester City may not have gone on and, uh, and won the game, but it would have certainly made things interesting. Um, yeah, I think on balance it's a good thing, and I think the right decisions are being made. Um, I think if they can get VAR in next season and use that properly, that's going to be um, a good thing as well. Um, I guess we may be coming on to talking about other incidents as well. The one with um, with Ashley Barnes, perhaps. Yeah, well, why don't you stay on that one, Dave? I've got uh, a few things to talk about. I think oh, were we lucky there? Should it have been a penalty? Yeah, well, you'd be shouting for that one if it's the other way around. It it looked to sort of stoop down slightly to his left hand side and and block the ball with his arm. I think you'd be shouting for that if it was a City player any uh, any day of the week. So I think we got away with one there. Um, there was a shout in the first half, wasn't there, for for one on Vincent Company, which for all the life at the time looked like a handball, but when we saw the replays afterwards, it was clearly uh, struck him in the face. There was uh, nothing doing for uh, for that one. So, yeah, the, perhaps the only controversial decision in the penalty areas was the one involving Ashley Barnes. And I think even the, uh, um, well, even uh, Claret's fans would have to say that that, uh, in, in most instances, would, uh, would be a penalty and we perhaps got away with that one. Yeah, I thought it was a penalty as well. I didn't at the time, actually. In fact, both of them, I had completely opposite. The company one, I was screaming for it where I was sat. And when I saw it when I got home on the replay, I was, just, I was I just couldn't stop laughing that it hit him so obviously in the face. I was like, how did I even think that was a handball? Um, opposite, I didn't think that Ashley's was when I, I got home. And, and thought, actually, one of the angles, um, it does look pretty innocuous, but then you turn it around and, and his body movement kind of, it does a little bit of a shoulder jig towards it as well. So, yeah, we definitely got away with it. I think we've been quite lucky this season in that we have had a couple of blatant penalties um that we've got away with um that they haven't been given i think obviously jeff we know jeff hendrick had a really obvious one uh, in the brighton game but um it's, it's you know i'm sure many of you will be screaming at me now and saying that it's just uh dessert for the amount of bad luck we get but it was nice to get away with that one um i think for me robbie the most impressive feature of sunday was in the face of Aside, who were the current champions who were fighting tooth or nail to retain their title, facing a claret side who just had mathematical um, safety guaranteed, 
that our boys still showed real respect for the competition and put on such a disciplined performance. Yeah, I think I think when you do play a side like City, I think you're always going you're bound to raise your game anyway. Um, again, before Christmas, there were too many times where we didn't we didn't play to the standards which we set ourselves. Um, we didn't really make a good account of ourselves, and this was a, another opportunity to kind of put that right especially after City have demolished us twice already this season um, it was you know like I say it's a bit of a not quite a party, at, party atmosphere but the fans are going to be up for it because obviously the what, what was at stake for Man City and uh, all the voices coming out of Liverpool with the, the whole Ashley Barnes uh, profile picture thing I just think it made like a really good occasion I just think the players just rose to that yeah, the the Ashley Barnes thing did make me laugh. I've got I've got to say, do we think we're in danger of losing Ashley Barnes in the summer? I just think his profile this season has been absolutely fantastic, and he's he doesn't seem to really have have enticed a lot of really like hate. People acknowledge that he's very difficult to play against, but there seems to be a real respect for him. And I wonder if somebody else will come in for him. I I, I can't see it personally. I think. Unless one of the bigger, smaller clubs were going to come in, like if maybe like Newcastle got some investment from somewhere, but I really can't. I don't expect anyone to really put any money in for him. Hopefully. I think I might need to put you into therapy if you lose Sam Bokes and Ashley Barnes in one season. I think that would just be a little bit too much. I, I, I. I think I, I think I commit suicide. <laughs> I just yeah. don't Let's not joke about that, but I do, I do, I do understand. Uh, I do understand your point there. I think, um, I think for me, it just it just feels that we've got. I, I, for me, I don't know if you agree with this, Dave. It feels to me like we've got a group of really underrated players who people just there's a bit of snobbery about them, and people really stick their noses up about them and just think that they just. Oh no, Brexit Burnley, it's a very British team. And actually, Pep was at it again on Saturday, or a fundamentally English side. What does that even mean? I don't even know what that means, but okay, whatever. Um, but I think that's probably going to suit us come the summer, don't you, Dave? Um, yeah, I mean, talking about players who are perhaps at risk of going, I, th- I think Ashley Barnes' is, um, age profile, I think he's unlikely to, to be um, seen as someone who's, who's going to go to one of the other Premier League clubs. I don't. I, I just can't see that happening. I think the ones we perhaps need to be a little bit more careful of are uh, uh, Dwight McNeil and uh, James Tarkowski. I think they're, they're the two, potentially, if other clubs were going to come in and they were throwing money at it, then you know, the, you know, the, the players' heads may be turned as well. I mean, I, I think the players we've got are great for Burnley Football Club, but we have to be realistic enough to say that if, a, if another club does come in and they're offering to double treble wages and offer, well, some of the stupid money that's been mentioned, I think some of the stories are coming out about um, uh, Harry Maguire for uh, for 90 million and then James Tarkowski being a, a backup plan. It's like, well, you know, there's there's a lot of money out there. 90 million? Yeah, yeah. Wow, <laughs> you can't compete with that. If an offer comes in for you know fifty, sixty million pound for a for a player, then oh, Mike Garlic will drive him there himself. He'll literally he'll be packing his bags for him. And it's like, oh, I mean, ninety million. My goodness, oh, the money in the Premier League these days. Well, let's let's not worry about that today because today is going to be a survival party. We can worry about losing players. I'm actually feeling relatively calm about the summer transfer window. I even think it's way too early for McNeil to be signed yet. I, I, I'm worried, going to be worried about him in the December-January transfer window, but I think summer's probably going to be okay. Um, a quick one, though, um, actually just a quick pause. I'm assuming we're all hoping that West Brom don't get through the playoffs so that we can steal Jay. Or is that, is that ship sailed now, Robbie? Are, are we still hanging on to Jay, do we think? Uh, I, I hope it, that ship sailed. Why, though? It's amazing. I can't, I can't, I can't be halfway uh, through it all Okay. <laughs> it hurts. Okay. It really hurts. I can't be bothered. Robbie, put into one side your little tantrums that we love you for, but you do have. To put in a straight, sensible head on it. From a football perspective, has that ship sailed? Or would you still have him? I would still have him. Oh, I th- yeah, of course, I still have him, but I just, I just think you have to move on eventually. I don't yeah, think, true. other than, especially when you go back towards a Henry Lance. Oh God, no! Nonsense! No, and, no, no! And Andrew Driver, oh, and you know, I can't, I could, the list much. goes on and on much and too on. Much. And I just, 
like, like I said, I can't be bothered with it all. But to be fair, we are going to need to replace Matty Vidya, who's obviously going to go in the summer. I think there's definitely some unfinished business there. I don't think that Matty Vidya is going to get away with that interview he gave during the Europa. Uh, sorry, the um, was it was it was it European Championships? When was it? Yeah, it's international break, I think. It was, wasn't it? It was international break. I don't know if it was friendless where they were actually qualifiers. I was trying to get the right words then. Um, and he gave that quite ill-advised interview to the the press where he basically said that he doesn't understand what Daesh is doing and he's better than the players he's playing and he's very unhappy and wanted to go out and had six loan opportunities in, in January and wouldn't let him go to any of them. I just, yeah, bye, matter. You're going in the summer. I don't doubt it for one minute. So you never know. We never know. Um. Anything, I don't think there's anything else we need to talk about about the game, was there? I thought it was a fantastic afternoon. It was quite nice to have a stress-free game that we weren't you know, too concerned about. It was nice not to get beaten 5-0 by City. That's always a bonus this season, especially. Um, I thought the fans were in a really good mood and I think everyone was quite buoyant by the, the fact that we're going to be playing Premier League football next season. Um, Dave, what's next? You know, we've got Everton away on Friday night. Why don't you um why don't you move us on a little bit and, and hit us up with some head to head stats? Yeah, well looking back at the previous games we've played against Everton at Everton, um going back a long, long time, Everton uh, started out playing Anfield before Liverpool even existed. So the first five matches we ever played back in the uh, 1880s, 1890s, were Anfield against Everton. Uh, but there's been no one alive who's remembering any of those, so we'll come right up to date um, and look at more recent matches. Um, the last 11 we've played have all been um, top-flight matches. Um, so that's going from 1967 onwards. Um, 1967 Boxing Day, uh, we played at um, Goodison Park, and we lost 2-0. Uh, and going through, we've we've only had two victories since then, so that's um, uh, going back o- over fifty years, and just the two wins. We had a a three two win in January of nineteen seventy six, which was um, our last season in the top flight before two thousand nine ten. That was uh, Joe Brown uh, as manager, and the goal scorers that day, Peter Noble, put Burnley in the lead. Um, Brian Flynn and Derek Scott scored in the second half and even though uh, Brian Hamilton got a couple of goals for Everton one late on, Burnley won 3-2 so that until recently that was uh, the most recent victory we'd had there um, and then since that we've just had four Premier League games so we've spoken about the uh, 2009-10 season uh, we went there with uh, Owen Coyle as manager just before the new year so it, uh, only uh, a week or so before uh, he upped sticks and went to Bolton Wanderers, um, and we lost that one 2 0. A little bit unlucky in that game. We were well in there until late on. Um, uh, Vaughan and Pinar scored in the last 10 minutes for Everton to give them um, a 2 0 win. Um, and then the last three have all been with uh, Sean Dyche as manager. Um, the uh, April 2015, so the 14 15 season. Uh, reasonably late on in that season, uh, Kevin Morales scored for uh, Everton about a half hour mark, and they won that one uh, nil. Um, and then uh, we had a three one defeat, a rare penalty you may remember. Sam Vokes uh, scored penalty in the second half. Jaggy Elker had put uh, Everton into the lead. Sam Vokes again uh, scored a ding, scored a penalty. Ding. I need a little bell. I need a Sam Vokes I'm, bell. I'm, I'm going to get sure, one for next no, week. No, that, that can be put on afterwards. It can be arranged, I'm sure. Okay. Matt, please, can you put a Sam Vokes bell on this? If you're listening to... Oh. Did you all hear what? that? Did you hear a little... I, I heard it. I heard it. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That was crazy. I swear to goodness, I didn't Amazing. touch anything on my, on my PC. And something just jumped at me. Okay, I'm really sorry, Dave, but I'm a little bit freaked out by the magic stuff that's coming out of my laptop that was not my doing. Uh, and I'm going to let you get back on with the Everton stuff. Back on to Everton, yes. Uh, Sam Vokes scored a penalty, uh, well reported that we, uh, we we got a penalty against Everton and then we went 67 Premier League games without getting one. Uh, Sam Vokes stuck it away, made it 1-1, um, but then the Ben Mion goal and a Romelu Lukaku goal gave Everton a 3-1 win. Um, and then more up to date, last season, we played them in the first half of the season. Uh, that was October uh, 2017. And uh, Burnley got a 1-0 win. So we a first win there since uh, January 1976. And it was the uh, Jeff Hendrick wonder goal, the uh, 23, pa- uh, move, 23 pass move 
Uh, Jeff Hendrick finishing it off, 21st minute. Uh, Burnley took the lead, held on to it and got the three points. Fantastic win and fantastic goal. Dave, was that the game that basically got Koeman sacked? Uh, yeah, I remember being in the uh, press conference afterwards. I don't think he lasted uh, too much longer after that, did he? No, I don't think so either. Um, good stuff. I like it. I'm just about recovering from our scary thing then. Um, I'm just going to have a quick pause before we carry on with this with this Everton thing. But, um, Dave, it's quite interesting what you were saying there, that you mentioned Bolton. Um, of course, a quick side note here. Just what is going on at that club? Dave, for those of us, for those of our listeners who've not heard what's been going on, do you want to fill them in on what's happening? Uh, well, as I understand it, they've got um, a guy in charge called Ken Anderson. He's the uh, owner, put money in when, um, well, there, there were difficulties, let's say, with the club. They'd racked up a lot of debt, um, but all that debt was um, basically one man, Eddie Davis, who'd put his money into the club. Um, he'd suffered um, ill health. Um, he's unfortunately uh, passed away in the meantime. Um, but um, Ken Anderson is the guy running the club and Bolton uh, fans aren't particularly happy with the way he's been running the club. But miraculously, he's found someone even more incompetent than himself to take over. And this uh, guy, Bassini, who's been involved at Watford previously, um, he's supposedly come in. Um, but the latest I heard today, I think it was a five o'clock deadline for him to provide some uh, funds. Um, he's not done that. Uh, end of last week, uh, the players haven't been paid for over a month. Um, they've gone on strike. Uh, late on Friday night, their game on Saturday was uh, had to be called off. Um, the uh, EFL since have said uh, Bolton have got two games remaining. They've been, they've been relegated anyway, and they've got two games left. They've got to play those by hook or by crook with a youth team or whatever means necessary. Um, and it's all a big mess. I mean, it's it's one of those things where there have been financial difficulties. They've got a guy come in, Ken Anderson, who's not been able to turn it around or not had the uh, funds to be able to do it. Um, despite a lot of the debt, I think most of the debt was written off by um, uh, by Eddie Davis or the Davis family. Um, but yeah, it's a real, real mess at Bolton. And it looks like if they can survive, then next season they're going to go in with a, a points deduction. Um, and it's going to be really, really difficult for them, uh, whatever happens. And you know, we, we we do look back, and I don't think we can we can we can gloat really. But at the time, uh, there was a lot of um, uh, bad feeling over to Owen Coyle and to Bolton Wanderers Football Club about the comments that were made about them being well. The, the original quote was being five or ten years ahead, um, and coincidentally, it's it's ten years since that was said. Just over ten years since those comments were made. So, um, yeah, real real mess at Bolton, and you just wonder how it's going to end. I know it is. It's a, a tragic situation, um, and it will just be incredible if they do go under. Um, it really will. I, I find it very nostalgic this week, and quite interesting to see how football throws these little things up. If you think about ten years ago, um, obviously Burnley were um, in the uh, playoff final against Sheffield United. We beat them in that final, and that started a real decline in Sheffield United. They went down a couple of times, and they, they've not got anywhere near the Premier League playoffs ever since. And they're going up this year as an automatic spot behind Norwich. Um, ten years since we beat them at Wembley, and in that same time scale, or just under, as Dave says, the team that stole our manager off us, um, who were claimed to be ten years ahead of us, are obviously now on the verge of, of non-existence. It's uh, it's a funny old game. Um, Robbie, obviously we haven't got the stresses anymore, but how are you feeling about Friday night? Um, Everton seem to have picked up a bit of form recently, albeit they've had quite a, a strange season. Um, do you expect us to pick anything up on Friday or do you think it'll just be a, an on-the-beach performance? Do you think we'll have our flip-flops on, do you think? Uh, I don't know. I think if we can play anywhere close to what we did on Sunday, then I don't see why we can't go to Goodison Park and upset them. Um yeah, they've been a little bit inconsistent. Like you said, they have picked up points, but they were really poor against the Fulham side only two weeks ago. So hopefully it, hopefully it's that Everton that turns up on Friday. Um I can't see as I can't see it being a on the beach performance, especially after such a, a poor start to the season that I think we will want to uh, end the season really strong. Yeah, how are you feeling, Dave? Do you think we're feeling pretty confident or do you think Dyke just won't want them to have that two games? 
um, of really going for it before we, we have a summer off. I think we know that all the games in the Premier League, the away games in particular, are really, really tough. And if you can get anything out of them, it's a, it's a really good result. Um, I fancy us maybe to sneak something. I mean, I know we did uh, last time around. We, we, we got a 1-0 win, that uh, Jeff Hendrick goal. Um, who's to say we can't go and do the same again? I think the uh, the pressure's off a little bit now. I think perhaps the uh, players can go and express themselves a little bit more. And I certainly don't see him having a an on the beach performance. I don't think they're uh, the sort of side who uh, Sean Dyche will allow to do that. So I think they'll be out there giving everything on uh, on Friday night, and we'll uh, fingers crossed get a positive result. Yeah, I'm not sure. I um, completely agree with that. I know a couple of the seasons where we've uh, we've been safe. I think last season and the season before, there were some uh, very on-the-beach performances at the end of the season. And you know what? I actually don't blame them. Our boys have had to put some shift in this year. They've had to work so hard. They've been under pressure for a significant amount of it. And I think if he lets them have a couple of games where they just say, you know, just go out there and enjoy it and don't bust yourselves, and I think I'd be, uh, I think I'd be all right with that. Um that is all we have time for this week. Um, we have celebrated survival, um, albeit quite comfortable in the end, and we have um, got ourselves excited about what next season is going to bring our fourth consecutive season in the Premier League. That is what most of us never dreamed would happen. We never really probably thought we'd see our side in the Premier League at all, never mind for four seasons. Um but we are, and I think it's a fantastic achievement and one that I'm I'm incredibly proud of. And we'll see what next season brings, um, and see where we can get to and how far we can take this incredible journey that we're on on this this fantastic adventure. Um, thanks as ever this week. Go to my colleagues Dave and Robert for sitting on the panel and, and giving their pearls of wisdom across. Um, I'm sure that they are uh, very grateful as well that uh, I, I let them vent, especially Robbie when he has his little tantrums. Um, and thanks as ever to producer Matt, who is going to um, go through this podcast and now no longer needs to put a bell in for the Sam Vokes bell because the magical mystery Sam Vokes fairies did it for us. Um, but thanks, Matt, for uh, editing this together and making it sound a little bit more professional than, than me, Dave and, uh, and Robbie did. Um, but thanks as ever go to you, the listeners, for downloading and listening to this podcast. Your support is very much appreciated and we would not be here without you. I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the Non and Never podcast. Until next time. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.